Now streaming, the Netflix and Swill podcast. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Netflix and Swill Podcast, uh, the world's first strand type podcast. I'm Caleb. The world's first brand type, strand type. Oh, strand type. Uh, are we the Death Strand? Because that that game exists. Yes. I was just like randomly browsing Reddit earlier, and I remembered that Hideo Kojima said that, and I still don't know what the hell he meant. That game is a game I would never <laughs> recommend to a single person because it is so specific. Like, you have to play it yeah. in order to understand if you would like it. Like, is uh, is a strand-type game a game where every little minor detail is complete and utter dog shit? No. I mean, the game's not dog shit. I, I really enjoy that game. But you're basically like... <laughs> FedEx driver simulator, except across an, an entire world. Like your 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 job is to reconnect America and then deliver them their packages. Isn't it? It's the future, right? Couldn't they do that with like an Amazon drone? Well, something I I don't something happened like, like the Death Stranding happened or no not the Death Stranding like there there was some chemical in the rain that causes like severe corrosion. Uh, so like. Drones would just get fucked up. Some machines don't work and yeah. stuff. I mean, they do work, but like okay. they they get severely corroded over time. So you gotta you, you gotta build specific things that like help protect from corrosion and then that help repair corrosion. But uh, mostly, we could make like quick materials for clothing out of uh, like resistant materials. So you you can you can be a person who carries packages in the rain. Well, I guess they thought of everything. I don't know. I think that what kojima actually meant by strand type game is a game that like is a single player game but it has like kind of a persistent multiplayer element because you can like leave stuff for other players but the thing of it is that like him saying that it's the first strand type game if that's what he meant then dark souls was the first strand type game and also subnautica right um which is possible, but yes, uh, mo- most of the point, like, I spent uh, a good 20 hours uh, building roads in, in my game, because roads being the oh, most efficient neat. form of, of travel, uh, I could deliver packages easily and safely on the roads, uh, as opposed to having to uh, Norman Reedus myself across the country. <laughs> if I knew that it was a crafting game, if I got it, I probably like I w- I would just fall out for it. I wouldn't engage with the story at all. I wouldn't deliver anyone's package. I would just uh build like a huge network of roads and settlements. Yeah. Well, there's no settlements. Like you can basically you can build like shelters for other people so that they can protect themselves from uh timefall, uh, which I now suddenly remembered what rain is called. It's called timefall. Uh it's an acceleration of time. I don't remember exactly what the fuck happened, but huh. all I know is that, uh, man, that was some, it, it was a game. Uh, it had Margaret Qualian in it, and uh, she is one of the worst actors I've ever seen. 
Yeah. And it also had Norman Reedus's butt. It did. You see his butt a lot because you take a lot of showers. <laughs> uh, that reminds me of um, the game No More Heroes for the mm. Wii. Uh, you saved the game by taking a shit. Sounds about right. See, you saved Good times. You basically saved any time you hit like a uh, a city. I forget what they were called. Yeah, those they were cities. You basically hit like anytime you uh, hit a city, you saved, and then you can go to your room where you could drink Monster Energy, or talk to uh, Guillermo del Toro, or you could talk to uh, Nic- Nicholas Winding Refn. Hmm. He got a weird, weird, weird collection of people to be like likenesses in his game, and then he he also got uh, Mister Video Game himself, Troy Baker, to be a person in it. So. Uh, that's how you know it was a video game for sure. Great. Because unless Troy Baker's in your game as a, as a voice actor, it's not really a game. <laughs> how are you, by the way? Mm. Seems like you had a shitty week. <sighs> I mean, yeah. Because I got drunk. <laughs> I got drunk uh, after we finished uh, Fly Stream, because that's what I do. And then... Here on the fu- when when did we record? Did we record Monday. Yes. The the intro. Uh, and then after that, it was basically like I come back to work, and everyone hasn't done anything that I needed them to do, because like I'll do other people's work for them if they're off for an elongated period of time, which I feel like three days in a weekend is an elongated period of time. Uh, in that amount of time. And honest to God, live stream for the cure could not have been at a worse time period. Um, I had to change about 200 people's pay frequencies, move 200 people to a brand new manager. Why these couldn't just be uploaded and why I had to key every single one of these, I'll never understand. Uh, but uh, all, all in a while doing my regular job, which was uh, to be annoyed by California. So, needless to say, Jesus Christ. I did not have a good week at work. Yeah, I uh, I fucking crazy week too. Um, so I got back from uh my vacation and came into work and like all of the credit card machines are beeping. Oh no! And I I'm informed that oh hey, uh over the weekend the server that runs everything in the store went boom. So like we've got one terminal that's working. And we can't take credit cards, uh-huh. which is like how most people want to pay for things. Correct. Uh, so I don't know. It was it was a disaster for a couple days. We got the server fixed. There's a part that was supposed to get overnighted to us. But because uh, Donald Trump tried to kill the Postal Service and shipping is terrible, uh, we got it like... They said overnight it was supposed to be there at like 10 in the morning at the latest. It got there at like 4 p.m. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it just it, it was a fucking it was a big debacle. Huh. That's why I FedEx everything, because they're a private company and they actually care. Also, because Donald Trump didn't try to defund oh. them. It amazes me how many people think that Federal uh, Federal Express is a fucking government entity. It actually was FedEx that fucked us, though. Mmm! But, um... 
what else? Um, I got the word this week also that like, um, they want me to interview to go be an assistant manager at a much larger store, which is awesome. It's a great opportunity and it'd definitely be a lot more money, but like the timing's also fucking terrible. Cause like we have inventory next weekend and, uh, like we've been two people down for like two months and just like a ton of other shit going on. Right. So I'm like, yes, I want to do this. Uh, but like the fucking guy, he wanted me in like to talk to him this week, which like I couldn't get oh, like I had to be there all week pretty much because I just got back from vacation. And I'm like getting caught up on shit. Mm-hmm. Plus like Memorial Day, my boss took a fucking four day weekend because he does for every holiday. Yeah. Um, yeah, must be nice. Um, but like the dude wanted me to fucking start like this week. And I was like, oh, oh, oh no. no, like I- I'm going to need like several weeks to to settle affairs here. Yo, 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 what? Like, I get that it's intra company, but still. And I know people will say, well, companies don't give you two weeks. Why should you? Uh, and it's, it's because I have uh, a thing called empathy for my coworkers. Uh, so I, you know, I'd like to give people two weeks before I up and leave. <laughs> yeah, my boss called the manager of the other store and was just like, what the fuck are you trying to do to me, man? <laughs> and also, isn't that other store like further away? So you basically have to move again. I would have to move again. It's about an hour away from where I am now. It's uh, actually right. It's in a suburb of Columbus. Oh, you can be a Blue Jackets fan. Don't do that. They're they're awful. And their franchise sucks. I don't I if you held a gun to my head, I could not tell you what sport that is. Uh hockey. They were a member of ooh. Now here's the real question. Which expansion were they part of? Was it the two, was it the 1999 expansion? Were they with the blue? Yes, they were with the the wild and the predators. Sorry, I, I'm I'm talking out loud. Are you making some of these up? No. These these are real team names. What what flavors of gum do they have? Uh, I, I don't know. French it, mint, watermelon choo choo. Oh, ooh, ten hour tomato, bean and cheese, old metal ship. I. I missed the reference, and uh, now my failure is complete. <laughs> Your failure is not complete. For some reason, somebody made a joke about uh, the idea of running over a kid in a car, and I just said, that was a flock of geese. <laughs> and they were like, what? And you were like, what? <laughs> I was like, uh, <laughs> like in the Joker, like, what's so funny? You wouldn't get it. <laughs> Yeah. All right. We should do a podcast. I mean, we've been podcasting. This is what podcasting is. It's two white dudes talking yeah, to each other this about is content. Yeah. This content. Listen to it with your There's timestamps if you don't like this shit. Yeah, Ashley. This isn't Magic the Gathering. She's okay with this. <laughs> uh, speaking of Magic the Gathering, uh, I wasn't on Stacking Triggers this week because 
My life is in shambles. Uh, what did you guys do this week? Uh, I was I was worried about you. I didn't know if like you were mad at me for some reason or if you just like fell asleep or what. Because like I don't know, you just went dark all of a sudden. I hope I hope you survive. Oh, this is all pre-recorded um, content. I'm all dead. Oh, cool, nice. Um, that's thematic for the episode, I guess. Yeah. Uh, we talked about budget replacements for uh popular cards. So if you're uh, into Magic the Gathering or like getting into Magic the Gathering and don't want to spend four hundred dollars uh, on one little cardboard rectangle, um, listen to it, I guess. Yeah. The precon stuff is nice, but I mean, it's also good to have upgrades to the precons, which means pre-constructed. It's true. All right, uh, that'll move us over into an actual segment called What's Your Swill, where we talk about alcohol we're drinking. Can we please get some alcohol into my mouth? He hates these cans! Stay away from the cans! Uh, I'm drinking Bush. It's the superior domestic uh, shitty beer. Uh, fuck Coors Light and Bud Light. What about Miller Light? Um... I mean, I don't drink it, but that's fine for people who do. Now, here's the real question. Uh, is, is Bush above natural light and Keystone light? Yes. Okay. That sounds about right. I would put Miller light above those. I mean, I would put I would put most things above those. Water out <laughs> of my toilet. Water out of my dog's bowl. Yeah. Which is also probably the toilet. I don't know about my dog's bowl because uh, the one likes to eat dirt and and poop. Like uh, there's there's some some crusty old poop in our in our living room, just scattered all over the place, Oof. and we're fairly sure it's her. So, uh, yeah. Oh no. So now we have oh, to watch her as no. we uh, as, as we take her outside. Be like, nope, don't eat that poop. Uh, I'm having a good old-fashioned G&T, mainly because, like, the bottle was almost done. So I finished the bottle. It's over, it's done. Nice. Uh, it's finished. All right. Well, uh, we're going to win a uh, million dollars prize money. Oh, yeah? Uh, do you want to tell everybody about that, Dan? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm entering Duelist Kingdom. That's the, the Yu-Gi-Oh! arc where they, they duel on a fucking blimp. If you think I'm lying, watch Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> uh, no, but seriously, we're doing a, Jesus. A, a, the, the Quite the Thing podcast awards. It was free to enter, which is why I entered it, because it's free. Uh, don't enter the, the paid podcast awards if you're a podcaster, because that's fucking stupid. Uh, but I will include the link in the show notes to, uh, to vote for us. We're in the TV and film category, which means we're up against M from Verbal Diorama. Uh, and that's a fucking insurmountable task. So uh, we appreciate you if you vote for us. But we don't expect to win. We're also up against something called National Treasure Hunt. Which the fact that there's an entire podcast that just talks about uh, I, ostensibly the National Treasure films. Uh, I find that haunting. I don't mind the first one. The first one was fun. Like fun, not good. 
Uh, the second one I've yeah, never seen. but like, are you going to make an entire podcast to talk about exclusively that movie? I mean, I've heard of stupider podcast ideas. <laughs> any any others you want to shout out there that potentially uh, have dumb premises? Nah, just, uh, I'm mm-hmm. not going to fucking pour through it. I, I saw there was one about uh, Star Trek The Next Generation and thought about voting for them instead of us. I mean, that's fair. We haven't done Caleb, Caleb watches Star Trek in a while, so... I don't have that kind of time. No one has that kind of time. All right, uh, next thing is that I was on two guest episodes uh, the previous week, which I had neglected to mention. Uh, mainly in a run-up for Livestream for the Cure, but also go check these out because they're fun. Uh, I was on The Contrarians for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, uh, a movie which has a woke agenda, which I then promptly tore down because of its woke agenda. And then I gave my real thoughts in uh, real talk, what which are fuck? not... Saying the movie's woke. <laughs> what were you trying to like skate around, like doing a shitty job of saying that, like, it's saying, oh, anybody can be Spider Man, and now here's a black guy to be Spider Man? Ah, uh, kind of. Yikes. Uh, I mean, like. I'll listen to it. I mean, yes, I, I basically I stole. I'll just tell everybody. My contrarian's cor- corner character is basically uh, somebody from, like, when Miles Morales got announced for the Ultimate Universe, and I just took, like, a bunch of the, like, hey, we're definitely racist, but we're trying to not sound racist opinions on his on him taking over as Spider-Man. And then I went from there. Mm-hmm. So if you want to hear some arguments circa whenever that was, I want to say 2012. I don't know why I want to say 2012, but 2012. Uh, it, listen to that. <laughs> and then I guessed it on uh, Movie Reviews and 20 Qs with Gerald. Uh, noted, noted bad movie opinion man uh, for uh, Inglorious Bastards. We talked about that movie. Nice. Uh, and that's it. It's all I did. It, I say all I did, but good God. All right. Well, that'll move us right into some news. Oh, shit, it's mail time. Uh, Beasts of No Nation will be receiving a Criterion Collection release in August. Dan, how many copies are you buying? I already pre-ordered mine because uh, they did a sale over the weekend of like, uh, here's 30% off all Criterions. And Beast of No Nation oh, cool. uh, immediately qualified for such a thing. Uh, I've only been complaining about this since... When was the first one announced? I don't remember. Whenever the first one got announced, I just went, all right, where's Beast of no, Na- no Nation, everybody? And then uh, here, here it comes to fruition, X number of years later, <laughs> where X is equal to the amount of time between I, when I first started complaining to now. So what happened? Did... uh? Did it get delayed by COVID? No, because Co- Co- Criterion is doing... They, they do money th- monthly releases anyway, and they've been slowly releasing Netflix shit on, uh, on there anyway, because we've had... I want to say Roma was the first, then we had Marriage Story, The Irishman, uh, then the Bob Dylan Rolling Thunder Review documentary thing, uh, and then this. So, I don't know what to complain about anymore. Yeah. Bill? Uh, oh, yeah. 
I mean, obviously, but I mean, like, I don't know what to complain about that I want a Criterion release of. Actually, that's not true. I know exactly what I want a Criterion release of. Hubie Halloween! <laughs> yeah, check it out. Uh, do, you, do you have any opinion on this one way or the other? Uh, I don't know. I'm still not quite sure what a Criterion collection is, but I'm glad the movie is considered art, I guess. That's kind of what it is. Uh, it's basically like a, like, um, well, it's a Blu-ray release first and foremost. And then, cause that's all I care about really. But then it has like a bunch of additional special features, like, uh, in the making documentaries, uh, commentary tracks from like different people. It's a, it's a, it's basically a standard Blu-ray release, but like with additional special features, a foreword written by Norman Mailer. Really hoping you understand that very obscure cautionary tales of swords reference. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, that's a fucking deep reference. I know. No no one ever fucking talks about that reference, which is why it's a fucking deep one, boys. Uh but yeah, like th- all I care about is the DVD. I like I just want a physical copy of some of these because the internet will go away at some point and then the Internet 2 Electric Boogaloo will not be there to replace it, so I need something physical in order to touch, in order to play it. Uh, and I guess as a wrap-up, uh, just random shit, let, stop me when you want to talk about something. Uh, Firefly Lane was renewed for a second season. Blood of Zeus was renewed for a second and third seasons. So, two seasons in one. And then Enola Holmes is getting a sequel. And that's it. Okay. I didn't really want to talk about any of those things, I okay. guess. Well, I just wanted to mention them for the people who complain about cancellations. Your favorite stuff, some of your favorite stuff is is getting more stuff. So don't complain too hard, everybody. Uh, then we'll move us into Downstream, where we talk about trailers that happened over the last couple weeks. Baby, I can't control the internet. That's my favorite line! All right, the first one is for Sweet Tooth. Based on the beloved DC comic, an executive produced by Susan Downey and Robert Downey Jr., Sweet Tooth is a post-apocalyptic fairy tale about a hybrid deer boy and a wandering loner who embark on an extraordinary adventure. Uh, This premieres June 4th uh, on a perilous adventure across a post-apocalyptic world. A lovable boy who's half human and half deer searches for a new beginning with a gruff protector. Uh, So basically the idea is world ended. the, the like the new main species like on earth is like uh these animal human hybrids who are just like miracle babies they just get born that way mm-hmm. uh and they can live like in harmony with nature uh and there's a, a group called the last men uh who are a bunch of militant white dudes who hate everybody who's different and want to hunt them down what high fantasy? Oof. Um, yeah. I don't know, it looks good. Yeah. I'm actually intrigued by this. Yeah, I don't know. I've never heard of the comic. So. I'm sure it is beloved. I've never heard of it, so. Yeah. Uh, I only recognize one dear boy in my life, and that's the dear boy from uh, Sugar We're Going Down. Well, technically, too, because at the end of the video, the... The dad who's trying to shoot him has deer legs. Well, he's a deer man. <laughs> Technically, I guess he's a satyr. I guess that's true. Why isn't or his daughter half 
well, actually, like a quarter deer. I don't know. Maybe the middle half is. Oof. Oh, God. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Maybe she got that sweet white tail. Like white tail deer. Mm hmm. And eh, never mind. Uh-huh. Um, next up is the trailer for Good on Paper. After years of putting her career ahead of love, stand-up comic Andrea Singer has stumbled on, upon the perfect guy. On paper, he checks all the boxes, but is he everything he appears to be? It's a catfish movie, because he's a, no, a no, shitty no. guy. It's a cuttlefish, cuttlefish movie. There we go. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Could be okay. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Uh. I'll watch it. I got nothing better to do. My responsibilities for the year are over. I just have this show now. Yeah. Speaking of nothing better to do, um, <laughs> let's talk about what Liam Neeson and Lawrence Fishburne are up to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got the trailer for The Ice Road. After the collapse of a diamond mine in northern Canada, Ice Road truckers Liam Neeson and Lawrence Fishburne race against the clock before the ice thaws and the miners are trapped. Will they make it in time and intact? To save a team of miners trapped underground and down on his luck, Ice Road trucker joins a mission across treacherous terrain to deliver rescue equipment. Um, it's a, a, a Liam Neeson action movie about the Ice Road truckers. Uh, this is fucking hilarious. Dan, we're definitely watching this, aren't we? <laughs> I... it's so stupid. So I currently have this penciled in uh, because I don't know. We have we have an Excel sheet that basically schedules out everything. And uh, by penciled in, of course, I mean, uh, I have a question mark after it. So uh, clearly you want to watch this. So we might as well delete that. uh, Get that question mark out of here. Question mark. Yeah. Get the fuck it. Come on, Master Chief. Let's get the fuck out of here. Fucking video game donkey boys. Uh, <laughs> man, let's never forget where Liam Neeson's career really took off with Oscar Schindler and where he's yeah. come to since. Yeah. Um, let's also talk about real quick, like, apparently there's like a gunfight scene in this, too, because there's like ice road pirates. <laughs> and Liam Neeson has to shoot all of them. Uh, okay. <laughs> I don't know, I guess Lawrence Fishburne doesn't have anything better to do until The Matrix 4 comes out, and then John Wick 4 comes out. Yeah. So, this is what he does. He has nothing to do other than be sad that his daughter's in porn, I guess. Wait, what? Oh, you didn't know about that? No. I haven't seen this, I haven't heard about this. Yeah. His, uh, his daughter did a porno, and I guess he was, like, all bent out of shape about it. As I feel a lot of men would be in that situation, but... Oh, that's terrible. Uh, what what websites? Like, what websites <laughs> specifically? Uh, well, I know that her porn name was Skin Diamond. Huh? Okay. I'm glad you got my uh, Always Sunny reference. I appreciate that. <laughs> Can we talk about the mail? Because I've been dying to talk about the mail. The mail? Fucking Pepe Sylvia. Oh, yes. Pepe Sylvia. 
maybe the greatest moments of television. Well, actually, that's not true. The greatest moment of television. I knock on the door, Carol, Carol, and I find out there is no Carol in HR. Half the employees in this building, they don't work here. Uh, I don't know. That's up there with, like, George saving the whale in Seinfeld. It's, like, greatest moments in television history. <laughs> what is that, a Titleist? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. I don't know why I would, though. Uh, our next trailer is for Resident Evil Infinite Darkness. The landmark survival horror video game series Resident Evil shipped over 110 million copies worldwide. Why do we care? Popular characters Leon S. Kennedy and Claire Redfield appear in the CG serialized drama, the first in the series history. Thank God for no Mila Jovovich. Don't miss the, this new epic entertainment on a scale more spectacular than ever before. That's it. Uh, it streams worldwide on July 8th. Caleb, what do you think about this fucking trailer? Well, first of all, um, I I googled the that thing, that dumb shit that I was talking about, and now I'm less and less convinced that she's actually Lawrence Fishburne's daughter. Oh. I think that might have just been a rumor. Um, I don't know. Everybody looks wet in the trailer, because it's like weird CGI. It's like Gans O CGI. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Uh. <laughs> I, I like how the description has to point them out as being popular characters. It's like they're selling it for people who have no idea what's going on. Uh. By the way, uh, Sc- Skin Diamond's father is actually Rod Christensen. Okay. Her parents are uh or were missionaries, so she just went complete opposite direction as you do. <laughs> well, the it, it appears the rumors of uh Lawrence Fishburne's daughter's tawdry nature were grossly exaggerated. You know, I was kind of looking forward to Infinite Darkness being like, oh, maybe, maybe this will be a thing that I want to watch, especially considering like Resident Evil Village is like the hot new thing that everyone seems to care about right now. Uh, and and no, no, it, it, I don't want to watch this. It just looks super generic. Yeah. All right. Uh, and that'll bring us to what we're really here for, which is the trailer for Fear Street. Oh, yeah. Uh, a film trilogy event. Uh, three movies, three weeks, one killer story. In 1994, a group of teenagers discovers that the terrifying events that have haunted their town for generations may all be connected, and that they may be the next targets. Based on R.L. Stein's best-selling horror series, the trilogy follows the nightmare through Shadyside's sinister history. Uh, did you ever read any of the Fear Street novels, or were you exclusively a Goosebumps kid? I was explicitly Goosebumps. Okay, so Goosebumps were cool as shit, and I mm-hmm. definitely read a lot of them. Um, but they were like, they absolutely were like kids' books. Yes. Uh, Fear Street was like the edgy young adult version of that, where like people would just die, like all the time, and like people definitely died in Goosebumps, but like I don't know, Fear Street, like the the kitty gloves came off a bit, right? Like, with Goosebumps, if they died, it was, like, 
a pseudo death, especially in like the the show, because like in the show it was like, hey, we turned this person into a fucking puppet. Hey, we tur- this person got transported <laughs> into a fucking comic book. Like it was always like, hey, this this creepy sponge under the sink is gonna steal this person's energy or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like it was always weird stuff, but it wouldn't outright like murder people. <laughs> Some of the premises of Goosebumps books were fucking wild. Uh, like, have, did you ever read the horror at Camp Jelly Jam? Is that the one where they're all, it turns out they're on the moon? Yeah, it turns out that, like, they're all aliens, and, like, the, the summer camp that this kid is in is, like, a training camp for, to, like, send them to invade Earth or something. Yeah, I remember watching that, that, um, because I think that was actually a two-parter on, uh, on, like, the Goosebumps show. I was like, what a fucking wild thing this is. <laughs> what a crazy crazy thing i think what's interesting about these well there's two things one the books are apparently pg but like you said they took it a bit further uh these are hard r movies oh damn uh at least according to the comment section uh, and apparently that's the tagline for the move for the for the trilogy i'm trying to find it um, so Fear Street grew up right along with the reader, huh? Yeah. Uh, and the other thing is, uh, they said they take place in three separate timelines: 1994, 1978, and 1666. Interesting year there. Uh, no, but like they're going backwards in terms of timeline, and apparently it's supposed to be all narratively together. Yeah. So like we'll see. Like by the end of the third one, we'll see the the beginning of it and know why all the other crazy shit. So that's going to be interesting. And I hope, but I hope like ultimately they do work on their own. Cause like, I don't, that that's, that's sometimes a, a problem I feel with, with like planned trilogies is like the first movie almost always works on uh, alone by itself. The second movie's like, eh, you need to know what's happening in the first movie. And like, you need the third movie to help you along. And then the third movie is like, you need to only know about, like, you need to have watched fucking everything. So, like, yeah. I want them to be self contained enough, but also have tendrils into the other stuff. Yeah. But I'm um, very excited for this. I am too. I hope that it's good. Don't fuck me on this, R.L. Stein. All right. Uh, let's get into some quick hits. <laughs> Uh, so, Dan, tell me, tell me the things. Uh, I watched Love, Death, and Robots Season 2. Uh, the first season had 18 episodes. This season only has eight. Uh, I think it's because they're spacing shit out for a season three. I think Netflix realized, oh, we shouldn't just dump everything at once and just be like, hey, everybody, watch all this shit. Uh, they've instead decided to, to space shit out. Uh, basically, this is short story Twilight Zone. And there are some, like, there are some that work, like, uh, there's this one with, uh, the third one, where basically, uh, we're in a future society where, uh, you know, everyone is able to basically regenerate and be immortal and look the same. It's like the world of ultra carbon, but, like, no sleeves are used, like, everyone's regular body is just used, and, uh, because of this, because of people continually existing for hundreds of years, uh, they don't. They've outlawed breeding, 
at all. So uh, our the mm. person we follow around is the one who has to dispose of the children uh, who were illegally bred. I, I put illegally in quotes because, uh, yes. And uh, he begins having a crisis of conscience. So it's it's very interesting. I won't say any more about that. Oh, he he had a problem with being the official government child killer. Yeah. Who would have thought? <laughs> Why wouldn't they just make it so like if you like you replace yourself, if you have a child, you get to raise it and then you have like a scheduled like expiration date. I don't know, Caleb, it was only 18 minutes. They didn't have enough time to build the story. <sighs> what do you want, like a Zack Snyder-length movie about this? So they can build the story and then unsatisfyingly conclude it? With nine different know. endings? It's not like Zack Snyder's doing anything good or interesting at the t- moment. Let's, uh, let's show our hands a little more. Uh, look... <laughs> So, like, there, there's interesting stuff that this is doing. It's, like I said, it's short story Twilight Zone. If you, if you like that kind of thing and you miss Black Mirror, this is basically taking over for Black Mirror and allows them to be more experimental because it's all animated. It's very funny. Uh, and by funny, I mean it's not. <laughs> I, like, there, there is some dark humor, but uh, I, I did want to bring him up because we were talking about him a few weeks ago. Michael B. Jordan stars in one of these. Oh, cool. It's un- it's Uncanny Valley, because there's, like, a couple shots in it where it's like, is that actually Michael B. Jordan, or do they just, like, performance capture him? Uh, and it's... They, I I don't know if they performance captured him, but he's definitely CG, but there's some times where it's like, Michael B. Jordan? Why is he transposed into this? So, uh, look, it's Love, Death, and Robots. If you like the first season, you'll probably like the second season. I like it. It's it's good. I wouldn't go so far as to say it's the best thing Netflix does, uh, like some other people, but hey, they have different opinions than I do. So, tell me about uh, Zawarudu, or however the fuck Dio says it. Zawarudu! Um, well, he's he's dead. Um, yeah, there's a new season of uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure that just got put on Netflix, so... Uh, I watched the first, like, four episodes of Diamond is Unbreakable, uh, which is what thus spoke Kashibi Rohan as a spinoff of. And uh, so far, I really like it. Um, instead of, like, like it still does the the absurd melodrama shit that, like, JoJo's always does, but, like, uh, it's instead of, like, uh, let's save the world story. It's like um, I'm trying to track down a a serial killer. So uh, it's just like all contained in this one town and like they're trying to hunt down uh, the bad guy and mm-hmm. stop his plan. And uh, like the the bad guy has um, uh, the stand arrow, which is like literally like a bow and arrow that like if you shoot somebody with it and they survive, they acquire a stand. So they're just creating uh, stand users from criminals and they become super criminals that they have to hunt down. Uh, and they, they finally reveal that that's how Dio got his stand in the first place. Cause he wasn't born with a stand. Mm. So, uh, 
but the cool thing about it is like all of the stands because like this has always been tied to the creator's like love of rock music uh so all of the stands have like song names right uh so the main character Josuke, his stand is called crazy diamond um there's one stand that like it's an army of toy soldiers that like just like attack en masse and that one's called bad company uh but like it's hilarious too because like when they translated it to english they were really worried about getting sued uh so they changed the name of it to worse company <laughs> and there's a lot of them where like they like the subtitle says bad company but everybody saying it out loud says worse company right and uh like a lot of them are just really funny um I don't know. There's I was telling Vanessa about one, but like I thought it was in this, but it's actually I think in part 7, so I won't see that one for like a really long time. Uh but somebody has a stand that's called it it originally was called Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap. Right? Uh but like because they didn't want to get sued, they changed it to Filthy Acts at a Reasonable Price. <laughs> and then they changed it again to Dimes for Crimes. <laughs> okay uh, and then presumably they'll have a new translation come out that's just $20 is $20 um, I don't know I like this show a lot it's uh, it's still quite good um, I just I, I like the absurdity of it uh, also like Crazy Diamond's ability is really cool because he can, like, heal things and, like, repair stuff and, like, basically manipulate matter. So, mm. like, uh, he can, like, smash through a wall and then repair it to, like, get away. And, like, if somebody gets, like, injured, he can heal them. But he can't use it on himself. So if he gets, if he gets got, he's just a dead man. But. Okay. Cool. Seem, seems like a good power, though. Yeah. Doesn't seem broken or OP at all. Nah. I don't know. Um, My favorite stand in it so far is... uh, It's, it's going to be one of his allies, but, like, whenever the character of Okuyasu first shows up, like, he's an enemy. So, like, they fight, but uh, Okuyasu's stand is just called The Hand, and, uh, Basically, its ability is that it can uh, erase whatever it touches. Um, but like the space in between will like join together to like fill the gap, basically. So like uh, he can, you know, wipe down like part of a wall or something and it just shortens the wall. But like he can use it to erase the space between uh himself and an opponent to like close the distance between them instantaneously hmm. it's really neat it's it's a really interesting idea okay interesting and that's it yeah i'll i'll watch more and i guess keep you posted if i feel like it's worth mentioning sounds good uh and with that uh we will cut into a quick break and when we come back from said break It'll be time for our first main view topic for the week, which will be Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead. 
The Netflix and Swill podcast is brought to you by our patrons. Gerald Morris, Bill Sutton, Nick Haskins, Ashley the Bubby Gorski, Ben Kiefer, Paul Prezula, Daniel Henderson, Julio Oliveira, Jimmy Della Rosa, Chris Yaney, Brianna Petty, Nate Wade, Alan Gallarisi, Duty Dutram, Casey Moore, The Nerd Revert, and Dan's Mom. If you would like to become a patron of the show, find us at netflixandswill.com slash Patreon. Buy some shit. Visit netflixandswill.com slash merch. Leave a review and tell me how good I'm getting at public speaking. Visit netflixandswill.com slash Apple Podcasts. Thanks for letting us live our dreams of being professional idiots. We now return you to your regularly scheduled banter. Welcome back, everybody. Caleb, it's time to get into our first interview topic, as I said before. Army of the Dead. Army of the Dead is a brand new action crime horror movie, I guess. Uh, on Netflix, it is a 5.9 out of 10 on IMDb. Following a zombie outbreak in Las Vegas, uh, I call it Lost Wages, a group of mercenaries take the ultimate gamble, venturing into the quarantine zone to pull off the greatest heist ever attempted. This is written and directed by Zack Snyder, with a screenplay by Zack Snyder, uh, and a story by Zack Snyder, and it stars Dave Bautista, Ella Purnell, a uh, bunch of people, I don't know. Uh, alternate universe, Zack Snyder looks at this and goes, oh, I wrote and directed it? <laughs> uh, I was going to say, I have already done a spoiler-free review of this. Uh, which I'm pretty much, as soon as you're done, I'm pretty much ready to start talking about spoilers. So if you guys want to hear a spoiler-free take, uh, go listen to me and Gerald talk about this movie that we saw in theaters that I paid actual money to go to go watch early. Uh, what did you think, Mr. I-didn't-do-that-like-a-smart-man? Okay. All right. Um, uh, there's... It's fine. Um, there's, uh... It's fine. Uh, I like how uncompromisingly gory it is. It just yes. fucking goes for it. Um, it's it's a very nihilistic movie. Um, if you're looking for a happy ending, you won't get it. Um, and in fact, it's I don't know. It's like the it's wildly different because it is like. A, you know kind of your typical zombie action film but like with a lot of stuff that happens towards the ending uh thematically like i almost feel like it's Zack snyder trying to do the thing a little bit because he's setting it up to be like potentially like maybe the world ends but like also you know all these characters that you went on this ride with like none of them are gonna be okay <laughs> I didn't know what I was expecting. I just thought that I was expecting more, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and and the, to your point, interestingly, uh, n- and I totally forgot about this until I saw somebody, somebody mention it on Twitter, but we're getting both a prequel and sequel, I believe, animated series to this movie. So Netflix wants this to be a franchise, but, like, it's slowly dropping. Because, like, I remember when we did our non-spoiler thoughts, it was around, I think it was like a 7.1. 
and has gone from a 7.1 to a 5.9, and is slowly dropping in Rotten Tomatoes score as well. So, like, I don't... I, I don't know if this was the correct way to go about beginning a franchise when you you deliver something like this. Uh, and I'll just say for my non-spoiler thoughts before we get into spoilers thoughts, because I have so much to fucking complain about. Uh, <laughs> I watched this again in front of my TV, and uh, I'm going to say it. This looked better on my fucking TV than it did in the movie theater. Everything was more clear. Like, there, like yeah. it, it didn't look like it was like slightly out of focus. Uh, and that's great. I love that it wasn't slightly out of focus the entire fucking time. You know, uh, like everyone wants to say, oh, the cinematic experience, blah, blah, blah. I had a fucking movie talker during my goddamn showing of this. And the projector was slightly out of focus. Yeah, I hate the cinematic experience there. I said it. I mean, if that's what Christopher Nolan's trying to preserve, uh, fuck off. I mean, fuck off even harder than you should be fucking off anyway. Yeah. I don't know, man. I I, I don't know if the cinema's it. Like, I, I don't mind going to the movie theater to, to watch stuff. I watched A Quiet Place Part 2 this weekend. Uh, I had a decent enough time there, but it also looked like the movie was fucking out of focus. Uh, and also, there's some <laughs> dialogue scenes where everybody's... Everybody's whispering, and it's just way out of balance from the rest of the movie. Uh, and, like, to the point where my deaf girlfriend had to turn her good ear towards the screen to try to be able to hear what the fuck they were saying. And I guarantee if it was at home, we wouldn't oh, no. have that problem. Does, does she know that the, the speakers aren't in the screen? No. <laughs> but I watched her do it, and that's all that fucking matters. Nah. Okay, there's some... Some real what the fuck things in this movie, too, that I'm going to talk about real quick before we even do like a full plot breakdown or anything. But like, um, I'm going to if there's any that are like too spoilery, I won't mention them yet. But like, uh, first of all, opening scene, they're like transporting this cargo uh, like the military is. And it turns out to be like the 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 boss of the zombies or whatever mm -hmm. uh there are ufos that fly overhead in this did you notice it i did not it is very blink and you'll miss it but like they say that like they're bringing like they're they're taking this from roswell to somewhere uh and there's there's UFOs that fly by. Um, huh. So they're potentially like the sequel and prequel is going to be its aliens. Um, also in, in the same vein, like there's certain zombies that like whenever they get shot in the face in the movie, uh, the camera will like show their heads explode and you can see like l blue light flashing in their eyes. Yes. Uh, and it's because some of the zombies are robots Huh. And and Zack Snyder has confirmed this that like these are indeed zombie robots. Huh. Yeah. So I don't I don't know why why that is. <laughs> I don't know why either. Uh that makes things make more sense now. And then there's there's one other real what the fuck thing, but like it it deals with the very end of the movie. Okay. So we'll talk about it then. Uh, actually, there's two what the fuck things. 
but they're both like in big spoilery parts right oh there's many what the fuck things for me uh speaking of which uh before we get into the spoilers what would you give the movie uh it's like a two and a half it's it's solidly middle of the road it it entertained me and i'll i'll never watch it or talk about it or think about it again uh you won't talk about it or think about it again until the prequels come out and we're like hmm do we do we dare venture this hmm I don't know, it's an animated series. I think they're going to give it more time. Um, my thoughts really haven't changed from the first time around when I watched this. I mean, the picture quality is much better. Uh, I will give props to Ella Purnell, though, uh, because there's one scene with her and Dave Batista filling a generator, and he's talking about his, his food truck idea. And he he brings it up to her, and like there's this one sequence where like her like this one shot where like her facial acting shows like so much of her character because like she's been so resentful of him up to up to that point. But he's like, yeah, I think I'm thinking about doing like a tofu food truck or no artisan grilled cheeses. And yeah, she wrestles with smiling and scouring at him because like she fucking hates him, but also thinks that's a funny slash cute idea, and she it, she that makes her happy, but she's also still mad at him. So like her the way her mouth moves in that sequence is like the best acting anyone does in the movie period. Uh and also she's still pretty good throughout the entire thing so I'd like to see her in more stuff. Yeah, definitely. Uh so my score still remains a one and a half. This is a hard avoid if you haven't avoided it already. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I like I could go as low as a 2, but like yeah, it was entertaining and like I don't know. I <laughs> even though kind of in the end there like there was no point to anything. Uh I don't know. I like a I like a downer ending, I guess. Yeah. Sometimes the good guys lose. Well, we'll talk about the endings uh in uh spoilers, which we'll get to right now. Okay. Um Oh, I guess I guess we can talk about this too real fast. Uh who's your favorite character? Uh, and why is it Dieter, the safe cracker? Uh, my favorite character is Chambers, if only for one sequence. Oh, yeah, because she just fucking marks like everybody. Yep. Yeah, she's pretty good. But Dieter's pretty great. Let me just play the ending for you. No, no, I don't want to see how it ends. Okay, I could describe it. Um, imagine you're in a room. No, no, like no, 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 I don't want to know how it ends. I haven't seen the beginning. Uh, yeah, yet. but the ending is awesome. So if I could Son just play of a bitch, this is what you always do. You always spoil stuff uh, for me. No, I don't. And if I could just play the ending for you real quick, then we'll discuss that. Motherfucker, you always spoil everything before I get a chance okay, to see it. Okay, you sound like a crazy person right now. All right, so uh, since we didn't talk about it at all, really, the plot of this is like um, uh, a, a zombie outbreak happens. Uh, and like basically all of the city of Las Vegas is destroyed by zombies. Uh, so they have to wall off the city and like uh, the the president is going to nuke the city, like not personally, but he sends somebody to, I guess. Right. You're missing the most important part. He wants to nuke it on the 4th of July because, quote, it'd be really cool. Yes. Yeah, there's a, a news report to that effect. And he's like, the president said it was, quote, really cool and also actually pretty patriotic if you think about it. So you can tell already this script was written in, in the Trump times. 
<laughs> yeah, presumably he said it on Twitter uh, and then was banned. Um, also, Twitter's been pretty nice since Trump got banned. Like, it's just so much quieter. I don't know. I feel like everyone's still as loud as they normally are. Yeah, it's still stupid, but yeah, it's fine. Um, but yeah, uh, a rich guy who had a casino there comes to Dave Batista while he's uh, making hamburgers and says, hey, you, you know, you got all these VIPs out of Vegas and won the Presidential Medal of Freedom or whatever the hell it's called. And uh, now you're here working this greasy spoon. Um, you know, here, here's here's a plan. There's uh, a whole bunch of money under this casino. And uh, the insurance company has already reimbursed me for it. So that money is off the books. But if we go and get it before the nuke hits the city, we can just have it. Yep. Uh, so they're going to go back into Vegas and do. Yeah, it's basically uh, a heist movie, except there's zombies. So you brought up the whole VIP thing, like rescuing VIPs from the city. And I'm just like, on my second viewing, I'm like, wait, I want an escape from Las Vegas with zombies. I'd rather have that movie. Yeah. John Carpenter's Escape from Las Vegas with zombies. Yeah. Think about it. That'd be great. That'd be a Call great movie. Snake. <laughs> yeah. It'd be fun. Like, there really are some. Like, they don't delve into it enough to make it thematic, but, like, there are some, like, connotations of how. Uh, like shitty also this is probably a commentary on on trump but like uh it kind of deals with how illegal immigrants are treated because like uh they they have like a shanty town outside of vegas for mm -hmm. people who were refugees that were uh evacuated from the city uh and specifically like people of uh latinx descent that are living there they treat them really shitty and uh it's just terrible and awful and uh they, they <laughs> end up killing a cop over it uh which is great yeah played by theo rossi who uh plays such a slime ball and he's so great at it he's so he's so shitty and then they just feed him to zombies and it's awesome I don't know. This movie's kind of like the plot's not overly complex, but like no. I, it's like one of those things that like it's so fucking out there that I feel stupid explaining it. Well, so here's the thing <laughs> is like. It takes an hour for them to even get in the fucking city. And that's my first yeah. big problem is that it, it, it sets up this this whole team and all these different characters like here's all these different characters here's what they do montage it i don't know why this movie is two and a half hours it, it shouldn't be like they should be in the city within the first 30 to 45 minutes and yeah. then we do all the other shit there's so much stuff that's completely missing like um yes like you can infer that the guy sent by tanaka who is his right-hand man or his head of security is going to be shady in some way, shape or form. They mentioned like six times 
And they talk about some fucking deal he strikes with Coyote. And I'm just like, what deal? What are you talking about? When did you strike such a deal? You met this person a few hours ago. How could you possibly have struck a deal with this person without everybody else in the fucking squad hearing about it? Oh, that's another thing. Like, so like when they first get into the city, uh, there's like literally they call her Coyote because she's like smuggling people across the border into the city. Mm hmm. Uh, which, you know, again, like, uh, that's a, a coyote is somebody who smuggles people across the border from Mexico to the United States. Huh? Uh, so there's another, there's another layer of commentary there. When they first go into the city, like they, they get that cop or whatever from the, the shanty town to go in with them and say like, oh, we'll pay you blah, blah, blah. Here, how, how do you want to make $20,000? Yeah. He's like, hell yeah, I'll make 20 grand. But uh, as soon as they get there, Coyote shoots him in the leg and binds his hands and the zombies come and take him because uh, basically he's their sacrifice uh, for like to grant them passage. Because yeah. like these zombies are like intelligent, they're organized, they have like some like their own kind of tribal culture. And then like so basically the like the original zombie at the beginning that like the convoy was transporting if he bites somebody they become an alpha which are like these smart fast strong zombies and then if the alpha zombies bite people they become like the slow shitty shambling zombies uh -huh. so yeah. um couple things that i want to bring up uh the funniest mm -hmm. part of the movie is when uh they offer theo rossi the 20 grand because like they're slowly descending in increments. Like, uh, they walk up to Peters, played by Tignataro, and they're like, hey, uh, how would you like yeah. $2 million for a day's work? And, she, and she's just like, done. And every person, they give him less. Yeah, uh, yeah. the next guy's like $500,000. Uh, Dieter's like $250,000. And then, like, he, Theo Rossi's character is being, like, astronomically lower than everybody else is uh, hysterical to me. <laughs> Yeah, but uh like later on uh the guy who was sent by Tanaka like his his plant or whatever in their squad like he tries to basically sacrifice Chambers like he locks her in so that he can get away. Mm -hmm. And and like she fights her way out and is like surrounded by a horde of zombies and like the whole group is right there and she's about to be killed and she doesn't just yell Hey, fucking kill that guy because he just fed me to zombies. Right. Two characters do that in this movie, and it's fucking infuriating. I like her sequence. Like, her sequence is super awesome and badass. Although, they do that thing. They, they, they set it up early that, like, she's never killed a zombie before. And then she kills her first zombie, and then she's kind of repulsed by it. But then uh, immediately has to kill more zombies and is more and more unaffected by it and turns out to be a complete badass. I love that sequence. It's, yeah. it's the best part of the movie for me. Well, like, well, that happens all the time in this movie. Is like, That's another stupid thing that happens. Is like, uh, Dave Bautista's daughter fucking has to come along for some reason too because like she's looking for a friend who got lost in vegas um and like she's like no you have to take me because like these kids that i take care of need their mother and like i wanted to just be like 
Well, she basically she gives Batista an ultimatum. Like she's like, either you take me in with you or I'll sneak in after you. And I just wanted Batista to be like, all right, then sneak in after me and die and leave these two children with nobody because you just said that you take care of them. Yeah, that would be a smart way if someone writes a script, but that's not how this movie chose to uh, approach it. Yeah, but uh, like you have to get him there with his daughter so they can talk and have a relationship and it can be talk about a food truck family drama. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think this movie needed the daughter character at all. I understand why it happens, but like there's a hundred other characters in the squad that don't fucking matter. Like. No offense to Chambers, but, like, completely superfluous. Guzman, sure. Like, you, you have your main three, you have your guy that follows, you have Peters, and then maybe Coyote, and then you move on from the rest of the movie from that. Otherwise, you're just like, fuck it. There's one part in the movie, though, where, like, the daughter, like, a zombie's running down the hallway at him, at her, and, uh, like, it, she misses, like, seven times and then kills the zombie. Uh, and then, like, ten more zombies start running down the hall, and she headshots each of them without missing a single shot. Yeah. So, like, the the scale of being a badass is, like, wildly flexible in this movie, and, like, totally depends on the needs of the scene, and not, like, anything the character actually does. Yeah, uh, yeah, pretty much. You know, I'm growing to like this less the more I talk about that's, it. That's that's true. I'm I'm making you embrace the hate. Because like if you spend an hour on introducing a bunch of characters, at some point I expect like there to be an arc for any of them outside of like the Batista father-daughter arc. Aside from that, no one goes through any character growth whatsoever. Because immediately after Chambers gets killed by Guzman by shooting her gas canister, uh, he mourns for exactly zero seconds, and they move on. And uh, he gets to the casino and starts fucking around with everybody again. Because it's like, oh, my friend didn't just get murdered by by zombies and potentially by this man. Yeah. Like, I, I don't expect, like, full character art, uh, full, like series long or movie long character arcs for every single person i just want like basic ones that happen for everybody in order for me to like connect with their character in some way shape or form and i don't i don't do that with anybody i don't feel like when coyote dies i don't feel bad for her when guzman dies i don't feel bad for him when uh random third act love interest woman gets her head fucking spun around i don't care about that well, yeah, it's like, let like let's give Batista like a romantic interest subplot in the movie, and then thirty seconds later, it's like, oh, hey, a zombie got her. It's like, oops, I guess I feel bad for him now. Yeah, but like they don't, they never teased it until like it was like maybe five minutes before they have like a sequence where it's like, hey, maybe we could have something when we get out of here, and it's like. Okay. Yeah. Why is this happening? 
That was pretty cool watching her get her head spun around, though. That, and that goes back to the gore. The gore is fucking top notch. Like when like seeing her spine pop out of her fucking neck was awesome. When the <laughs> the zombie tiger kills the dude and like chomps his head in half, and you see the fucking brain spill out. That was fucking awesome. Yeah, that's one of the first things they see when they come into Vegas is uh, one of Siegfried and Roy's tigers is a zombie now. Yeah, which is awesome. And uh, I was like, look, honey. I was like, look, honey, it's one of Siegfried and Roy's tigers. And then Coyote's like, they're like, what the fuck's up with the tiger? And Coyote's like, it was one of Siegfried and Roy's. And I was like, hey. Hey. I told you. <sighs> I was waiting for Zombie Joe Exotic. Oh my god, I would have fucking killed somebody. Uh, I was, you know, the thing <laughs> I was probably most upset about was the fact that we didn't get more zombie society. Because, like, the zo- what, the, what was going on with the zombies was so different and so much more interesting to me than what was going on with the human characters that I really just wish we would have spent time with the zombies instead. Mm-hmm. Because, like, they they live in a society. We've never seen zombies do that before. <laughs> so I wa- I wanted more of like uh, what they were doing. I, well, I am legend. I guess that's true. Mm. But also that was in the alternate ending that we find we find out they actually have like a hierarchy and actual consciences and uh independent thought. Yeah. Um okay, I guess now's the the time I can talk about another one of the what the fuck things. Yes. So they're going into uh like breach the vault and get the money um and uh a, a cool character uh vandero is like helping breach to like get to the vault uh and they see like some corpses next to them and it's like oh it's another team that tanaka sent that he didn't tell us about cuz he's been he's been Sending people into their deaths for a while to get mm-hmm. this money or whatever. Uh, and he's like, well, actually, maybe it's a time loop and we just keep coming in and dying over and over. And like, like, this isn't the first time we've seen groups of corpses that kind of look like the main characters in this movie wearing identical gear. Hmm. Uh, and in fact, one of the skeletons even has like the key that the one woman wears around her neck. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's just like identical corpses that are also the characters littered throughout the movie for some reason. I I only noticed it when they called it out. What are the other instances of that? Because I'm curious now. Like right when they enter Vegas, um, I think you see, like, I definitely notice like whenever, uh, I think it's whenever they make the zombies come and like drag fuck face away um like i definitely noticed a a corpse that had a key around its neck and i was like oh it's a that girl has a key around her neck what the hell's up with that hmm so okay well that's interesting i didn't notice that but uh you you're giving me see this is the interesting part about this is you're giving me more of an appreciation for the movie uh and i'm giving you more reasons to say it fucking sucks (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so uh the other thing i, I want to talk about and i because i continue to neglect to talk about it uh is tig Notaro. now caleb do you know the story behind tig Notaro's inclusion in this movie i don't so 
The Peters character was originally pl- played by uh, known pedophile and rapist Chris D'Elia. Yeah. So when all that shit came out, Zack Snyder went, oh, no. And therefore, uh, basically CGI'd in Tignataro to the movie. As a way huh. to maneuver around the fact that Crystalia uh, would be canceled, and he wanted to move on from Crystalia, so like you know the Tim, uh, no, not Tim, Tim Miller, T.J. Miller. Uh, there was that movie Underwater with like Kristen Stewart yeah. and, and him. So in like yeah. Underwater, they waited to release this. They were just like, uh, we're just gonna CGI Crystalia out because fuck him. So basically, Tignataro had never spent a day on set with. Anybody who was actually on set. So all the scenes you see of her interacting with every other character are reshoots or her CGI'd into the movie. Huh. I mean, for a lot of the movie, they had her off doing her own thing. So that that's fine, I guess. Yeah. Um, Also, like, I I really liked her. She was she was one of the best parts of this movie because, like, she's essentially the dropship pilot from Aliens. Yeah. Um, I, I did notice, like, because the first time around, I was just like, okay, how's the inclusion? And I'm like, okay, it looks pretty, it looks okay enough. And this time I really dug into it and figured out, like, how they did it. And they do it by obscuring the background of the camera. It's like that, it's like in Zoom meetings where it's like a uh, blur background. It kind of looks mm. like that in order for it to make it look like she's actually in the shot. Like, they'll focus strictly on her and kind of blur everything else out around her. Even in that shot, where she's uh, talking to Batista in the underground parking garage. Everybody else is blurred, kind of, uh, but she's per- like perfectly in focus. Hmm. That's crazy. All right, what happens next, Dan? I don't know. Uh, shit, like they get the vault open and shit starts going sideways because they're like, "Oh my god, the money!" And it's like, but the but the nuke has been moved up too, from like twenty four hours to like yeah. one. Yeah, because apparently everybody was like, hey, Mr. President, like, it's in very bad taste to have this happen on the 4th of July. Uh, And they're like, well, you know, we're not going to not blow up Las Vegas, so let's just move it up a day. So they find out they've actually got an hour and a half instead of uh, like 26 hours to get out of the city. Um, So Fuckman McGee... Uh, the, the other bad guy in the movie, um, there's like a queen zombie. Uh, so like they, they capture her and he cuts her head off and puts it in a bag. Uh, because the real, like Tanaka doesn't give a shit about them, the money. He wants, uh, to research the zombies and turn them into, uh, weapons of mass destruction. Because, you know. The military-industrial complex is much more lucrative than actual casinos. It's true. Um, so, that sucks. <laughs> uh, good, good, good thing he's easily fooled by the old uh, swapping the, the bags Yeah. Uh, at a later point in the movie. I mean... Uh, we see that quick little shot of Coyote, like, picking up the the fucking cash counting machine. She's like, this is definitely, like, a similar size and weight uh, to the to the. Wow, this weighs thing. about as much as the average human head. <laughs> right, because she never picks up the bag with the human with the human head in it. 
<laughs> uh, that was great. But yeah, uh, so they get they get the vault open. They do their fucking montage of them being like, let's dance around with money. Uh, and yeah. I don't know, man. Like, uh, like the zombies discover the the headless corpse of the zombie queen. It's like the zombie king, I guess, like the one who started all of it. Like he takes her corpse back to like their lair. Uh, he jams his hands into her body and pulls out a zombie fetus. Zack Snyder loves them zombie fetuses. Yeah. That's true. And then and then it's on. They go and assault the casino where they're doing the heist. Uh, so they have to get the fuck out quickly. Uh, and a lot of them don't make it. Yeah, most of them don't make it, actually. Like, uh, you know, potential love interest woman uh, gets her neck snapped. Uh, just like Zod. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Vandero gets shoved into the vault. Uh, by a potential love interest Dieter uh, and <laughs> gets locked in um, as Dieter is swarmed by zombies. Yep. Uh, and then, you know, everybody else is running. Uh, Kate, Batista's daughter, like goes like when all the zombies go to attack them, she goes in to try to save her friend that she's been looking for. So Batista has a reason to go back and try to save her now. Don't forget that Guzman dies in in the casino because he falls and then a zombie bites him and then he's like, oh, all of my grenades. Yeah. It's like, here's here's all the grenades that I have on my chest. Um, But yeah, like in the end, they they end up not being able to get the money. Uh, they they take off from the city like the boss zombie jumps onto the helicopter with them, so they're fighting in the helicopter as they make their escape. Uh, the zombie bites Mr. Dave Batista, uh, and then he shoots it in the face after also, like, shooting the pilot. Uh, and they the helicopter crashes, and apparently, like, they don't even show what happened to her, but, like, apparently Kate's friend is just dead <laughs> after all this time of like them trying to like, it doesn't even show her dead body or anything, R but like, right. It won't even take the time to like won't show even take the time to, like, to show us the fate of this character that we weren't interested in. Yeah. It, like it won't even give us like that, that satisfaction of like, Oh, Kate's mission also uh, failed because she didn't get the mother back at all. Yeah. And, uh, and Kate has to shoot Dave Batista in the face before he turns into a zombie, or like as he turns into a zombie. Which is perfect, uh, because it's the exact way uh, her mom died. Because uh, the the big reason their relationship is so strained is because Dave Batista had to kill her mom in front of her face, and that's not the problem. The problem is that he never came around to talk about it afterwards. So, so yeah, so it's poetic that she murders him because that's. The way the news goes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then there's uh, the last WTF thing that is really weird. You mean the um, bad ending? The bad ending. Uh, so Vandero was in the vault. 
Uh, it shows like the the nuclear apocalyptic wasteland of Las Vegas, uh, and he and Vandero pushes his way up out of a grate with like three giant duffel bags full of money, uh, and just and just strolls casually out of the city, uh, and doesn't immediately die of radiation poisoning. Well, so it was a, some they reason. made sure to mention it that it was a low grade uh, atomic bomb. Because they were still launching it in the United States, so they didn't want to like. Then why use did the big it have guns? to be atomic? Why couldn't it just be a very large bomb? Because Zack Snyder doesn't understand that there are other bombs other than atomic bombs. Why couldn't it have been an incendiary bomb that would have destroyed all of the, all of the zombies and possibly even like left the wall standing so they were still contained, if they missed any. Let's not forget that Zack Snyder loves using atomic bombs because in Watchmen, he basically sets off several nukes in order to make it look like Dr. Manhattan started wiping out parts of the world. Mm-hmm. Which ultimately actually is Which, a better uh, I, plan. I hated that, that change. What? To it. Like, you wanted the space I octopus? I kind of wanted the space octopus. I kind of want the space <laughs> octopus, but also I understood that major audiences would be like, "Wait, uh, what the fuck?" I don't know. Wasn't there? Wasn't there still like a space octopus in it? I thought that like, yeah, Doctor Manhattan's penis. Well, no, like I. Now I'm now I'm not sure what the fuck. I'm remembering because like I remember seeing like a movie scene where like. Basically, a a small octopus-like creature falls from the sky and splats on uh, a windshield of a car in a city, uh, and then like a bunch of them start falling down, and it's like raining these weird like alien octopus things. If anybody knows what the fuck this is from or what I'm talking about, it please tell me. Uh huh. <laughs> The space octopus is like one of the most bananas fucking things I've ever read. Um but yeah, this guy just fucking casually strolls out and uh oh no, it, it looks like he actually has a zombie bite. Uh yeah. which, you know, I I guess he finds out about several days later cuz he still hasn't turned into a zombie. And that's the other thing is some people turn into zombies immediately. Some after, like, a matter of minutes, and some people, presumably, like, three weeks later. Yeah. For no apparent reason. I I mean, it's almost like the plot and actions that revolve around the plot take as much time as we need them to in order to service the plot. Because he needs to board a private jet to Mexico City before he can turn into a zombie. Yeah, that's one of the things I I hate about zombie movies in general, because like they all do that. Uh, I was looking to see if uh, Dawn of the Dead, the remake, took place in um, in Mexico City. And this was like the backdoor way of being like, hey, Dawn, Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead actually fits in this universe. <laughs> but it doesn't. <sighs> I'm pretty much out of everything that I want to talk about with this. I mentioned my Tignataro yeah, thing. Uh, I'm glad I did, because I, I'm glad I blew your fucking mind with that. 
Yeah, that's pretty wild. I I, I don't know why they're zombie robots. <laughs> I'm sure we're going to find out in the prequel series. Because that's when everything, like, that's when character arcs are going to finally be developed. Well, apparently this is a, a quote from Zack Snyder about it. Um, he said... I had the idea from the beginning that these zombies were going to embody an evolution. They were on their way to becoming something else, not stagnant like the zombies were used to. I really wanted this sort of weird ambiguity to their origins, which, of course, we'll explore in the animated series Army of the Dead Lost Vegas. I call it Lost Wages. Uh, if, if you pay close attention, there's a number of zombies that are clearly not zombies. You see normal zombies, uh, and then you see some robot zombies. Are they monitors that the government has placed among the zombies to monitor them? Are they technology from another world? And that's that's all he said about it, apparently. <laughs> sure. Um, look, I'm sure I will actually give the animated series a shot. But, like, I don't know if it's going to be a main review topic for this show. I don't know how much you care to ever revisit this world, but I'm changing my rating. It's a two. All right. Well, I, I win. Everybody, I won. I just want everyone to know that I'm not changing my rating because uh, <laughs> two two viewings in the same rating is it, you know the the things about the zombie robots has me intrigued. There's certain other like the potential time loop thing has me also intrigued, but that was never explored, so I don't really care. So uh, I win. Okay, And and, uh, with that, we're going to jump, hop, skip, uh, meander, other adverbs, uh, or whatever those are, verbs, whatever, who cares, uh, into another segment break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about our second main review topic for the week, oxygen. clips made you wish for the good old days of TV, I've got great news. Rabbit Ears TV Podcast is back. Each episode, we look back on a beloved series, ranging from the good old days of television to more modern classics. With the help of a superfan guest host, we will review, discuss, and reminisce about some of the most culturally impactful shows ever to air on TV. You can follow the show on Twitter at Rabbit Ears TV Pod, join the Couch Potato group on Facebook, and check out our episode archives at netflixinswill.com slash rabbit ears. Look for new episodes the third Friday of each month. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming already in progress. We hold you in our hearts. And when we think about you, it makes me want to fart. <laughs> it's I hope we never part. Now get it right or pay the price. Welcome back, everybody. Caleb, it's time to get into our uh, two main two review topic for Oxygen. Oxygen is a drama fantasy sci-fi film uh, that is new on Netflix. It's a 6.5 out of 10 on IMDb. A woman wakes in a cryogenic chamber with no recollection of how she got there. As she's running out of oxygen, she must rebuild her memory to find a way out of her nightmare. Uh, This is directed by Alexandre Aja. Uh, written by Christy LeBlanc and stars Melanie Laurent. Uh, there, Dan got to hear me pronounce some French names probably badly. Uh, what did you think of Oxygen? Man, I really liked the first hour of this movie. 
And then uh, what's what's actually going on gets revealed. And I'm like, oh. And then it completely takes the wind out of the sails for the rest of the movie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's there's a pivot, and you're either on board with it or you're not. Um, I don't know. Like for my part, whenever like she's like, "Hey, open the pod," and the the AI program that she's speaking to is like, uh, "It would be a bad idea to open the pod." I was like, "Oh, I know where she is. It is at right now." Yeah. Uh, other than that, Melly Laurent's great. Put her in more movies. Apparently, and I for- completely forgot about this. She was in the the Ryan Reynolds movie Six Underground. That's true. I literally don't remember her in that movie, and maybe that's because I don't remember that movie at all. Yeah, and she was uh, Shosana in Inglorious Bastards. She sure was. Uh, when I saw her, I went uh, Au revoir, Shoshana, and then uh, Au revoir, the, Shoshana. The movie kept moving. Uh, so she didn't go away. <laughs> so yeah, not like a whole lot really to discuss. Like it's uh it's an escape movie. She's she's in the same place the whole time. It's uh like there's there's little like flashbacks and cutaways and stuff, but like for the most part, she's just in this pod trying to figure out how to get the fuck out of this pod. Mm-hmm. Um and how to survive. Um so, you know, this probably was made on like not a fantastically huge budget. No. And uh it's I will say that it's a fairly good movie to uh fuck around on your phone during. Cuz like not a lot's going to be happening on screen. Like you'll look back and like, yep, she's still in the cryopod. Yeah. And then you'll look back down at your phone. I like the trickle of information it gives out. As it's going through at least yes. the first hour. Um, it's paced pretty well. Mm-hmm. I'll say that. Like it uh it it peels back the layers of the mystery. Um and like surprisingly, for a movie where it's you know, just inside of a coffin basically, couple pretty decent jump scares. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. There there's some like it's very tense. It's it's moving like uh you you feel her despair and then like as information gets revealed you, like you're learning with the character and that's always stuff I like and it's it's never talking down to you like you're a fucking moron. Um yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to get much farther into this without spoiling stuff. Uh I I agree. Thank Let me just play the ending for you. No, no, I don't want to see how it ends. Okay, I could describe it. Um, imagine you're in a room. No, no, like no, 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 I don't want to know how it ends. I haven't seen the beginning. Uh, yeah, yet. but the ending is awesome. So if I could Son just play the bitch, this is what you always do. You always spoil stuff uh, for me. No, I don't. And if I could just play the ending for you real quick, then we'll discuss that. Motherfucker, you always spoil everything before I get a chance okay, to see it. Okay, you sound like a crazy person right now. Uh, we find out her name is Liz Hansen. Mm-hmm. Like the the computer will only give her like a a, a designation for her like a. Like a serial number, basically. Um, like she manages to call out and get a hold of the police, uh, and they're like, "Oh, that pod that you're in," because she can like find the serial number on it. They're like, "Oh, that was uh, destroyed three years ago," and they're but like they're just kind of giving her a run around, like saying, "Oh, we're we're right there. We're trying to get in and help you. You just need to give us five minutes. We'll be right there in fifteen minutes." 
and we'll have you right out of there in half an hour. Mm-hmm. And she's like, wait, you're just like the shit you're saying is like inconsistent. And uh, like they're trying to convince her like, oh, you're you're just hallucinating. Like you're hearing you know, things. The, these these memories aren't your memories. You're hearing shit and all this stuff. Um, but she like isolates part of the audio and um, they're like there's a voice in the background that's like, tell her she's just hallucinating, making it up and all this stuff. So, yeah, she knows something fucked up's going on there. That's one of my favorite things about the movie is that she's logical. Like, uh, like, yeah, she's intelligent, but she's also, like, extremely logical with how she approaches a lot of stuff. Like, yeah, she has her, like, emotional mm-hmm. breaks because if you're in this scenario, who wouldn't be completely horrified by the fact that you're trapped in a pod? Yeah, like, she basically has a, a series of panic attacks through the movie, which, like... Makes her oxygen deplete even quicker, but um, like there's always the ticking time bomb of the oxygen countdown. But mm. um, do you, I don't know? Do you want to just say what the damn thing is? Yeah, uh, I mean, I've probably already played the spoiler um, sound, so we're good. Yeah, like uh, so it it turns out that um, like the world is dying, uh, and in order to survive, they've launched her. To the one place that is uncorrupted by capitalism. Spice! It's from Command and Conquer. Um, yeah, she's in a, a pod that's in space. And apparently, like, these cryopods are just, like, on the outside of the spaceship. Yeah. And not, like, contained in anything. I don't, so, I don't know who approved that design. That's a bad design. How did they launch? I don't. I don't know. Also, there's a point where they're like, hey, you're 12 years into a a, a 34 year mission. And Mm -hmm. Ashley's like, wait, they're 12 years in, but they just hit the moon. Because it looked like they were like right next to Earth. They they do weird shit with perspective. But yeah, like. Maybe. Well, that's the thing I was kind of thinking is like. 12 years in, like, they assembled the pods and everything. And, like, day one was them building the space platform to, like, build the ship to carry the pods to the destination. But, like, they had just launched the ship a day or two ago. You know what I mean? Right. I don't know. So, like, but basically we find out that, like, she's not even the real person that she remembers being. Like the the doctor that like designed these pods and like came up with the concept for this mission was her, but like she like got old and died on Earth and shit. Oh no, no, she's, no, she's still alive because that's who she talks to is well, her, uh, yeah. her old self. Yeah, that's true. She did talk to herself, which is weird. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like there's uh, she's she's a clone and an uncorrupted human clone that doesn't have this disease that's killing earth right i don't know they don't really go into it if they hint at it being an ecological disaster but also there's a virus that's killing everybody there's a virus and people wearing masks and it's like hey guys read the room don't put people in masks for (laughs) for a bit (laughs) read the room so yeah they're gonna go colonize this new planet with people who don't have coronavirus 
don't know, it was a fine little movie. It's yeah. much shorter than Army of the Dead, which oh, is yeah. good. A full hour shorter. The I think yeah. the big problem I have with it is like she becomes a clone. And I guess it's not really the movie's intent, but like there's never really that debate on like the ethical ramifications and like whether her life then has value. Right. And I mean, I guess she sort of goes through that second part, but then because she eventually comes to the decision that she wants to live like after she finds out she's a clone. I feel like any sentient creature wants to continue its own existence with like exceptional corner cases of like, yeah. You know, obviously, like, there's there's living things that self-terminate all the time, but, like, generally, there is, like, an, an inbuilt survival instinct. There's still one more chip. Points at head. I must self-terminate. <laughs> and then he gives him a thumbs up. He gives Aww. him a thumbs up. It was his robo-dad. <laughs> that was my favorite thing about Doom 2016, is, like, in the Foundry level, if you like fall off the platforms and fall into the lava. Yeah, you get the thumbs uh, as up. As you're sinking down, he gives the thumbs up. Yeah. The game's so fun. Uh like yeah, like it it touches on like the philosophical value of of a clone. And I I I guess that's not the movie's intention. Like it, it basically wants to be like a thriller like, "Oh, this woman is trapped in a thing." Uh, how does she work around it? And then it stops being that because then it becomes a journey of self-discovery of like, who am I? Like, it's like, that's the through line throughout it. But then she's like, I'm a clone. And then <laughs> it's kind of like, do I want to be? Know. I don't know. Uh, d- you know, uh, is my life, does my life have meaning? But it barely touches on that. And she's like, of course it has meaning. And then she uh, lives. Yeah. Yeah. Because the, the only real meaning of life is what you put into it, so. I guess. Sure. Uh, I don't know. I wish that, like, you know, she finds uh, the solutions to all of her problems. Uh, and it seems that things are going to be okay for her. Um, I wish that they didn't have the little stinger at the end that shows her. Agreed. Reunited with her, with her husband on the alien planet. Like, I could have just... Had an ambiguous ending, and that would be fine. Yep. Like, why Why did I have to see that? That's a great question. Uh, I I guess to give you the happy ending, but, like, that, that movie was... And I guess because the movie is already so dark. Like, uh, unfortunately, the movie kind of got spoiled for me when... Because uh, Netflix is apparently testing a new feature, and we're always signed up for test participation. But uh, it's... It's like showing you the the things you should care about with the movie. And for this, it said uh, it's like buried and gravity. And I went and gravity. So it's in space. So basically, I knew the twist uh, before the hour even showed up, which kind of sucked. But I mean, you you could guess no, it if you're paying it's, attention. It's not in space. Dan. Yeah. it's in spice. Spice. Uh, the only place <laughs> uncorrupted by capitalism. Yes. <laughs> it was Tim Curry doing that line, and it's it's very funny to watch him do it in the game, because he's trying really hard to read the line seriously and not laugh, <laughs> but he's also kind of laughing, and it's like, this is the best take that we could get to actually use in the game. Right, and also it's a video game and no one cared. Yeah. 
I really liked it for the first hour, and then like whenever space spice happened, I got very <laughs> sad. Yeah. All right. Um, next week on the show, we're doing the Kaminsky Method season three. I'm very excited. Yeah. Uh, and on the back of that, we're going to be watching the History of Future Folk, uh, which is a, a patron joint from Ben Kiefer. Yes, Ben Kiefer's first time entering the fray. He DM'd me on uh, Facebook and was like, hey, when you get a chance, check this out. And I went, okay, you're the boss. Literally, he pays us. Yes. He pays us to do the show. And we're always grateful for that. Yeah. So. Uh, tell him stuff, Dan. Uh, you can find our show at NetflixandSwill.com. It's your one-stop shop for all things Netflix and Swill. Uh, if you like us, you can review us on Apple Podcasts, or uh, you can give us money over on Patreon, uh, as we said before, patreon.com slash Netflix and Swill. Uh, join at the $1, $3, or $5 level. Uh, the $1 level is general support, $3 level probably needs reworked, so it's up to you if you want to contribute to us at that level. And the $5 level makes you uh, give us the ability to watch anything you want us to watch. So. Uh, Check out all that stuff. Well uh, we love you. I <laughs> don't even know what to say anymore. <laughs> I butchered that so badly. Yeah. Thank you to Spice Weather for the use of our theme song, Bitter, uh, which is my feelings towards Zack Snyder. Justice League is one of my favorite movies I've seen this year because, and I consider it a new movie because it re- it, like it's completely different than the 2017 version. So, uh, you know, it only makes me sadder that I fucking hate Army of the Dead as much as I do. <laughs> Zack Snyder's a hack. I mean, maybe. I still haven't watched the Snyder Cut. Who has the time? I I, I did. Zack, uh, not yeah. Zack, uh, Brad from the Cinema Guys has, has the time to watch it several times. I don't know. Why do I want to watch a longer version of a movie I didn't like? Uh, it's a better movie. I know that it's, probably doesn't help I, you. I know that, but I don't know. It's it's like way different. Yeah, I, I understand that, but I don't know, man. Like, remember the cyborg character? I don't, because they like didn't use him at all. Yeah, they give him an actual story. Uh, they gave him some story aside from he died in a car crash and his dad rebuilt him better, faster, stronger. Yeah, they actually give him shit to do. It's a, it's a, it's actually great. And I got so happy. I was yeah. like, oh my god, Cyborg actually belongs in this movie. Good. Yeah, it's almost like Cyborg is a central pillar of the Justice League that yeah. needs fleshed out a bit. Well. Yeah, whatever. I'll, it's one of those things. I'll, like, I'll get to it. It's fine. Fucking better. I don't know. We better get out of here before this becomes as long as Army of the Dead. Gerald will be so mad. Yeah. Till next week, this is Caleb saying we'll see you next Tuesday.
Netflix and Swill is an independent podcast. As such, we believe in the scrappy underdogs of the podcast world. If you're an indie podcast and would like us to run your promo on our show, please contact us. The little guys need to stick together. If you enjoy what we're doing, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and telling a friend. The more we grow, the better the show will be. Thank you for being part of the Netflix and Swill family.